Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Michael Stedman, a man that all of Western Montana is eagerly waiting to watch play basketball. Please, Lord, let it happen. It's Tutel Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT, your relevant Twitter handles. If you missed anything in hour number one, listen on the podcast. The Tutel Nuanas podcast is brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the Tutel and Nuanas podcast. It is time now for our ESPN roundtable. It is brought to us by our friends at Paradise Falls. We're happy now to go to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in the aforementioned uh, center center forward, whatever he wants to be for the uh, for the University of Montana, uh, transferring in from San Jose State and getting ready to play his first games for the Grizzlies. Michael Stedman joining us. Michael, thank you so much for being here. How are you this afternoon? Yeah, no problem. I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? We're, we're doing great. We're happy to have you here. We're happy to break some ground with you on the show. So welcome to your first <laughs> appearance. We're excited about that. And uh, listen, man, this is so interesting. Let's start with this. Congratulations on the preseason honors. Uh, that's that's fantastic. But it's also kind of odd, right? Like you people, you know, are familiar with you a bit from San Jose State. I know you played like I think Northern Arizona at one point. So you got a little bit of league exposure just in kind of a non-conference game. But to be selected on the preseason all-conference team having never actually played a minute in the conference what did you think about that when you saw your name on the list yeah that's kind of crazy if you think about it i was kind of like surprised i did i did i wasn't expecting to be named because i like like you said i haven't played in this conference but i have played some teams in this conference and I've, there's some coaches in this conference that are familiar with how i play and what i do so 
that was pretty crazy. Were you kind of disappointed where you're like, hey, man, I thought I was going to come out here and surprise some people. You know what I mean? I think mean, you say get out here and and, uh, and kind of fly under the radar a little bit, but that's obviously not going to happen, right? Yeah, nah. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Now that my name's out there, they're going to they're gonna, they, they know that I'm, I'm a pretty good player. So, um, yeah, I, I, was, I was looking forward to kind of surprising the league, but either way, I'm still just looking forward to playing and being out there with my teammates. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Coulter Nuwana is here. Uh, basketball, the circles become smaller and smaller the higher you climb the ranks, whether it's high school, then to top-level AAU, then into Division One. And I know that you know yourself growing up in California, I'm sure that you were getting looks from across uh, the Western United States. But when you were in high school, were there some Big Sky schools recruiting you? Big Sky schools? No, I, I only had – I had the University of Hawaii. They offered me a scholarship, but – um, I actually took the wrong math class, so I ended up having to go JUCO. I had so it was Hawaii, Sam Houston State, and the University of San Francisco. Those are the three schools that recruited me. But Hawaii is the only school that offered me a scholarship. So then, when you were deciding to transfer from San Jose State, though, was there some schools that came to the table? I mean, do you have do you have any familiarity with some of the other coaches from around the league? Oh yeah, when I put my name in the transfer portal, it was it was my phone was nonstop off the hook. I had some Pac-12 schools, some ACCs. I had a, a, like half the Big Sky. It was, yeah, it was, it was all over the place. You know, it's weird because I, I put my number in the transfer portal and it did not ring. <laughs> and so I'm wondering if I just had, I put the wrong one in or something like that because I'm still waiting to hear a, a little bit what happened. Let's go back, though, a little bit. You, you talked about that. You started your career at the City College of San Francisco. You're originally from Union City, which you know south south of Oakland there, right in the Bay Area uh, uh, largely. What was it like there at the City uh, uh, College of San Francisco before you went to San Jose State? Uh, I'll tell you, I'm... It was it was it was different. I mean, it's like the coach there. He made he put a lot of the stuff we do at Division One basketball into our practice, but it, nothing replicates Division One basketball. I mean, it, we had practice like we did a lot of things, weight room. It was it was fun. It was a fun experience. I, I like I, I love the process of the grind. Like me going from JUCO to San Jose State to here. Like I just never seen myself doing that. So it was it was it was different. The. The greater public at large, I think, has learned a tremendous amount about junior college sports in general from this latest explosion of Last Chance U and how popular it's become on the football level. First of all, have you watched that show on Netflix? Yeah, I have. I actually had a my old high school teammate was on it this last season. So. Oh, okay. So, so he he played at, uh, at what, what was the school that born in Oakland, right? Yeah, he went to Laney. He's at Oregon Laney. State now. Laney, okay. Right, and so I thought this last one was even probably the most compelling because it was the first West Coast one, right, where you got guys in California and you have, I mean, the sacrifices that some of these guys are making, you're talking about you're living in your car or, like, you're renting a room from your aunt so you can be somewhere you don't even have a car. Some of the, the, the grind that these guys have to go through, I found it so compelling, and it shows you why yeah. so many guys come out of JUCO so hungry. Was it a similar situation for you when you were in junior college? Or what was just the overall day-to-day experience like? Yeah, it was really similar. I mean, uh, some of the stories, I, if I were, had the time to tell you, you guys probably wouldn't even believe it. But We got the time. We got the time, Michael. Don't <laughs> lay it out there. We're going nowhere. <laughs> they got a lot of they got a lot of these guys have chips on their shoulders, and, like, they've been overlooked. They come from broken homes. They they just want looking for an opportunity to go out there and play and prove themselves. So, Juco basketball is looked down sometimes, but uh, it, sometimes it might be the highest level, like, com- like competition-wise. In terms of people competing, it's, 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 a, it's a grind out there. 
Well, as you know, one of the keys to having a successful basketball team is chemistry, fitting a role, you know, defining roles, embrace your role, emphasize your role. And I've always found it fascinating on the junior college level because on one hand, you do have all these guys that are so hungry and competitive, but oftentimes you kind of have to look out for number one, first and foremost, if you want to get out of JUCO and get into the Division One level, right? So when you were doing it, how were you balancing that? You know, being a part of a team, contributing, embracing your role, but also, you know, hey, I got to get a, a few numbers here. I got to post a double-double every once in a while to get another look and get a Division One offer. Yeah, it, it does get stressful, especially for the sophomores like that don't got scholarships. They they start to press the issue because they know that this might be their last time playing college basketball because the scholarships don't get thrown around easy. You got to actually prove yourself. So yeah, there's there's some of that, and also there's also the team aspect. Like when you're playing, you know, when you're in the game, you don't really think about that type of stuff. It's more so like after the game and after practice when you see the coaches coming to practice. But like when you're in the game, you're not really thinking about that. You're just focused on trying to win the game and, and play play to the best of your ability. And then from a team dynamic standpoint, then when you do get the chance to go to Division One, like you did when you come to San Jose State, does it take a mental adjustment to try to say, okay, now I'm going to try to fit into the fabric of this team? Or how does that work just from trying to build the chemistry within the locker room when you are a guy that's coming in as a transfer? Yeah, it, it, it's different. Um, yeah, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a big difference because – there's different personalities. Like I said, from JUCO, it's more of guys with chips on their shoulders, like more of like coming from broken homes, like cover, like, I, but then when you get to D1, you got the guys that are coming out of high school, more younger, more younger. You got to be, got to get up more of a leadership role. If, if, if that make, kind of makes sense. Michael Stedman joining us. He's a senior for the University of Montana men's basketball team transfers from San Jose state. And uh, just uh, yesterday named to the pre season all conference team in the big sky and michael i'm interested you know even from high school juco san jose state all of this broadly in the bay area right so when when you said you said you know my phone was ringing off the hooker i got you know a lot of people looking at me when i you know entered the transfer portal when when you thought about the university of montana in missoula of all places what kind of came to mind and what eventually was the thing i mean i assume it's the basketball side travis the cure coach cobb etc and their ties but that you said, okay, I can see myself going here to this place that's, you know, let's let's admit it, right, off the beaten path a little bit coming from the Bay Area. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that drew me over here was, like you said, Coach Cobb and Trav, they, we sat down and they told me what the plan was. Um, I, my biggest thing is I wanted to be an impact player and beat, go to the tournament. I felt like going here it gave me the best opportunity and chance to do that. So I think that was the biggest thing that drew me to go to – The game at large from the NBA on down has become such a guard-oriented game because of the three-point shot. And you look at the NBA and you have a couple true big men, you know, Joel Embiid's of the world, maybe Nikolai Jokic, although he is a really skilled guy. But so often now, bigs are required to be able to do more than just run to the block and post up. And I know you've been working on that element of your skill set as well. But first and foremost, the system that Montana has run under Coach Secure, but honestly, dating all the way back to when you know I was a little kid growing up in Missoula, has been this high-low system that was implemented by Stu Morrill, and they get their post guys so many touches, and that's what they do. They play inside out. Was that a big selling point for you? Did they emphasize that element of it? Yeah, they they showed me guys like Martin Bruning and uh and Jamar Cole how they where they were getting the ball and and how they were playing, and they, and I've seen that, and I thought to myself that could be me, so. I think that yeah, that that was probably that was a big factor. The, the big and the ball and touching it. You know, when you transfer in, you had to sit out last year because of the transfer rules. 
What was it? I, I know that it's you know, obviously you want to play, but what did you get out of that to come in, maybe integrate into the culture of, of you know, Travis Secure's team and being a Montana Grizzly and getting sort of as as acclimated to this as you possibly could before actually playing a game? What was that like last season? Yeah, that was that was, I actually really needed that. When I got here, it was kind of a shock. I mean, not shock, but like it was a big change from where I was coming from. Like every drill, we like they take serious. Like you got to compete every drill, every drill, every drill. Uh, where I was at, like we were competing, but like, they, like it's it's a big difference. And also, I was able to work on my body, um, work on my game. I, it was just a, it was a blessing in the sky. I, I'm glad I was able to register here. You, can you say more about that though? Because I think everybody sort of assumes, hey man, you're playing Division One college basketball. Everybody's everybody's going hard. Everybody's competing in practice. But you say, hey, look, I was I was over here at this place. I came over here to this other place, and it it's not the same thing that's going on day in and day out. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, like just every drill, like they on you. Like the coaches don't let up. They, like they're they're on you every drill. Like you, excellence is the is the culture. Like they, that's that's what they expect out of you. So if you're doing anything less than that, they're gonna get on your case. And um, yeah, just the grind. It's, it's a grind. It was it was it was a, it was just a different different type of environment, and I needed that. That's what I really needed that for my game. How long does it take to adjust to just how demanding? coach to cure is uh I, I my first three months it, t- it took me a couple months to get used to it it was like damn this this this, this how it is i gotta get used to it yeah because he's not changing he's been doing it he's been for, <laughs> for 10 years so it's, i gotta change when I first started, I mean, I covered the Big Sky now for uh, over a decade. I've been to practices at you know probably half the schools in the league and, and seen the way that all the guys coach, and and it's striking because, like you said, the demand for excellence is so profound. I mean, there's nothing that's ever going to be perfect or even close to good enough for Coach Shakir. He always wants to be better. He always wants to be better. And it's such an interesting. Yeah, adjustment. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's gonna. Yeah. Nothing, nothing lower than excellence is, is allowed, and, and I like that. I appreciate that he did that. There's some practices where I'm like, damn, he's on me, but it, it, uh, he, I need that. You mentioned just the transformation of your game, but also particularly your body. I know that there's been a lot of narrative around that, and, and University of Montana, the weight training program, was tweeting out some pictures of your physical transformation. But take us through that element of it. What did it take? How you feeling? Because I remember, you know, meeting you last year, looking at you on the bench, but now you're looking like you're lean and mean and really great shape. So, what were some of the main changes you made, and how were you able to transform your body like you did? Yeah, I credit that all to our our weight coach Brandon. I mean, so I mean, I I still had to go out there and do the work, but he's he let out like a uh, like a plan for me, um, getting to bed early, eating what I'm supposed to be eating, um, the register work. I was lifting like five uh, times out of the week, so it was really I credit all that to Brandon. It was he's a really good weight coach. Michael Stedman joining us. He is, uh, excuse me, senior center on the University of Montana men's basketball team, uh, getting ready, hopefully, to open the season here in just over a couple weeks. And I got to think, the anticipation has got to be killing you in a certain way. I know that you guys have been practicing, you've been getting ready for this, but now that it's almost here, but it still feels like we got some hurdles to get over before we really actually start playing. How do you feel about this upcoming season and, and just your mental emotional state to be back on the floor again? I feel real great. I'm, I'll say this. This is probably, like, the closest team I've ever been on, like, close-knit. Like, everybody, and nobody has any animosity. Like, we all get along. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to get out there. It's been a long wait. We've been having COVID shutdowns, not knowing when the season's going to start, just a whole bunch of drama, injuries. 
So, like, now finally seeing a start date and working towards that start date is really exciting. I know when we talked uh, in that group interview we did at practice a couple weeks ago, you were mentioning how tough it was, especially when Montana was on the road. I mean, you're not allowed to travel. You're watching your teammates. What was your direct reaction when the tournament kind of all went away? Because I know Montana was very hungry coming into the Big Sky Tournament, thought they could make a run. Side Pridgett, I know we talked to him extensively about how much he wanted to kind of write the way that the season ended and really chase an NCAA tournament berth. But for you as a guy that was watching and probably one of the biggest fans of the Grizz, what was it like for you to kind of watch it all go go away and not be able to play in the tournament? Yeah, I was really sad to see that because I thought we really had a really good chance to win that tournament because we we were uh, we were working towards the right steps. But I really feel bad for the seniors. They they had their season cut short, especially Saeed, Kendall, Jared. It was it was a sad it was a sad scene. Nobody likes seeing the season get cut short. You know, Michael, when you talk about this is a team that you feel like is really close and that you think is, is really close-knit and you've been on a lot of teams, where does that come from? Because this is a team that, that from the outside, from a Montana fan base, we maybe know as little about you guys as a group as we have in a long time because there's so many new faces and so many young guys on this team. So what, where, where has that sort of culture been built through, do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I really don't know. I, I, like I said, I've been on a lot of teams, and like this, uh, this feeling right now, I feel like this is the closest team I've ever been on. I think maybe because it's just coming natural. That's that's probably the good thing. Like nobody's forcing it. Like everybody just lo- enjoys being around each other. So, and I think I think the personalities and the characters we got on this team too. The coach did a good job recruiting the right type of players, and and we're all getting along great. You know, this has been so tremendously ironic to my mind. And I'm not, of course, asking you to make any proclamations or anything like that. But you have to sit out a year when you transfer. And yet that rule feels like it's about to go away. And you got to be sitting here going, well, wait a minute. Now I just sat out a whole year of my college career. Now that's not going to happen. But then all this happens, and this is a zero year. So you're not even losing this year from an eligibility standpoint. It could, you know, potentially come back for another year. That's bizarre, right? I mean, that is just, that's crazy. That is yeah. That's funny you bring that out. I remember I was reading that on Twitter. I'm like, damn, they could have done it a year earlier. I could have, I would have just been able to play right away. But yeah, exactly. And that extra year is always an option. That's something like how the season goes. And I'll talk, sit down with my family and, and coaching staff after the season if I want to choose to use that extra year. But yeah, that's a great option. Yeah, I was pretty ecstatic when I heard that news. Right. I mean, it's a long ways away. Who knows what's going to happen down the line? You got to play this season now for crying out loud. Here's what I want to know. This is the last last couple things from you, but not not making predictions or guarantees or anything like that. But what do you expect this team to be like this season? Uh, I feel like our, I think our team is going to be a very tough team, um, unselfish, and I and I expect us to finish on the top of the league. What do you think is going to be the key to that? I mean, what do you guys need to do to take care of business? What do you hope the, the defining parts of this team are that will lead to them chasing it and eventually winning that league championship? I think just getting, uh, just keep working. We got a lot of new guys. We're trying to learn defensive concepts. I feel like once we get that down, we can score the ball. Like in practice, we score the ball a lot. That's not our problem. It's, it's defense. We just got to lock in on the defensive end. If we do that, we will win a league championship. We'll get you out of here on this then. You're a Cali boy. And you've lived in a lot of warm weather places. I know this is going to be your second winter in Montana, but it looks like it's going to be a long one. We already got a foot of snow on the ground. What's the acclimation been like to Missoula? What do you think of the town? What do you think of going to school at the University of Montana? And what do you think of enduring a Montana winter? It's different. I mean, I like Montana in the summer. 
it's kind of different right now. It's five feet of snow. I had to shovel my, I had to shovel, I had to shovel the snow out of my car earlier this morning. But other than that, yeah, the summers are great. <laughs> yeah, Montana, Montana's a great place. Hey, you're built for five feet of snow. It just comes up to your knees, so it's okay. You got, you know, you can see over it all. You got to help the rest of us out, man. Hey, <laughs> yeah, Mike, exactly. Michael Stedman, boys and girls, again preseason All Conference uh, a nod for uh, for him, even though he hasn't even played a game in the Big Sky yet. Really excited about getting the season underway. And Michael, appreciate you taking the time out and joining us here today. Okay, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, guys. Michael Stedman, transfer, San Jose State, by way of City College of San Francisco, by way of Union City, California. So there you go. Appreciate him being with us, taking the time uh, very much. We are appreciate, appreciative of that. It is our ESPN roundtable. It is brought to us by Paradise Falls and Colter Paradise Falls. You want to watch Grizz Hoops when it starts? You can get over there and check out any sport you want, any time you want. Obviously, you got football going on right now. You got college, you got pro. You also got, hello, high school playoffs. You can go in, stream games. They can put them on a TV for you at Paradise Falls. 18 rotating beer tap handles as well. It's a great place. Be socially distanced. Be safe. They got a big, multiple big rooms inside of Paradise Falls. If you've been in, you know. If you haven't, you'll find out when you get there. You can go in by yourself with your family, whatever it might be, and enjoy a wonderful meal, maybe a, maybe a beverage or two, and hey, you want to uh, you know lay a little action on the game you're watching? You can do that at Paradise Falls as well. Well, don't look now, but Thanksgiving is on its way. We're a couple weeks out from the greatest holiday ever known to mankind. And if you want somebody to help you with your holiday meal, Paradise Falls can help you as there well. There you go. They're doing either in-house, and if you've ever been to Paradise Falls, you know it's a great place. You can socially distance. It's a huge room. So you can all you got to do is make your reservations. They'll be serving Thanksgiving dinner from about noon in, uh, in the afternoon on through the into the evening. Traditional Thanksgiving dinner, all you got to do is call ahead for reservations. Or if you want to get Thanksgiving dinner to go, they got you covered there as well. 20 bucks per person, heck of a deal. You're going to get the turkey, the stuffing, the cranberries, the rolls, the salads, all the stuff, everything you ever wanted in a Thanksgiving dinner. All you got to do is just call ahead. You either got to make your order for the to-go by November 23rd or just call before Thanksgiving Day to make a reservation to dine in-house as well. Let Paradise Falls take care of Thanksgiving for you this year. All you got to do is call 728-3228 or you can just go to paradisefallsmissoula.com. There's a bunch of contact information there as well. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Missoula's cool hot spot. The first day of the national signing period for winter sports, and especially basketball, is today. We'll tell you who's going where thus far next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going 
going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. It is National Signing Day, sort of. The winter sports across the college sports landscape. It is 2 Tell Anyone, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports. Those are your Twitter handles. You can also listen live on the World Wide Web. You go to 1029ESPN.com. You click on the Listen Live tab and you jump in the stream anytime. You get this station, whatever's on it, you'll hear it. Through the power of the internet. The stream is brought to us by Opportunity Bank of Montana, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, uh, we uh, talked about the preseason polls off the top, but also, particularly in basketball, today marks the first uh, official day that you can sign your national letter of intent and uh, become, you know, what an official uh, 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 commit to various universities and various sports. And uh, we have a couple of those here. I know we got, uh, in fact, multiple ones uh, of them going to both the Lady Grizz and Montana State. Let's start with uh, Missoula. Haley Hewart, has, uh, who voiced her commitment, gave her verbal commitment, uh, what, about six months ago maybe, maybe four months ago, something like that. Anyhow, officially signing today to become a member of the Lady Grizz basketball team from Washington by way of Colorado, right? I think she's playing at uh, a, a private high school in Colorado. Bella Christian, yeah. Because uh, uh, high school sports, winter sports, be not being played in the state of Washington this season, so ended up at Colorado playing basketball. She will be a member of the Lady Grizz. And then from Missoula, Alex Germer, Sentinel High School, Sentinel Spartan basketball player. We understand, you know, of course, many people know the connections of uh, his father, Chad, and the offensive line coach for the Grizzlies, but he's a basketball player. He is headed to Montana State to play basketball for Danny Sprinkle. He officially signed today as well. What else we got over there, Coulter? Well, so again, some of this stuff is going to still come in, so the official announcements have not officially been made uh, quite yet. But Maya Hughes, her letter to Montana State is in. She's a sharpshooting guard out of Wardenville, Washington. She's the reigning Washington 4A player of the year. That's okay. probably the biggest out-of-state get for um, Trisha Bidford in this recruiting class. Lexi Deeden from Missoula Central, she's not official yet. Or actually, I guess Lexi Deeden is already in at Montana State. God, my, everything is all skewed because of the COVID. We, Lexi no one Deeden, knows anything Lexi Deeden has already reported to campus at Montana yes. State. So the former Central Spartan, uh, she, she is there at Montana. Uh, Arden Casey, she also signed today with the MSU women. And it uh, looks like Danny Sprinkle has all four of his letters of intent in including Alex Germer. But I think it's an interesting recruiting strategy that Danny Sprinkle has decided to employ. And I think it's the thing that Montana... I'm not... I'm completely uncertain if it will work. But I do think it's the thing that they needed to do. I think that when you look at when Montana State's basketball program was at its best, and make no mistake, Montana State has had high marks 
but has never been in the conversation with Montana or Weber State, certainly, and has had a hard time uh, rising to the ranks of the elite in quite some time. They haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 1996. They've only been to the NCAA tournament twice. But if you look at that best Stu Starter team in the late 80s that went to the tournament or that best McDurham team in 96 that went to the tournament all the way up through the end of McDurham's tenure in 2002 when they won the league and they hosted the league tournament and didn't quite make it to the NCAA tournament, those teams, they all had distinct identities that fit Bozeman and weren't trying to copy Montana, Eastern Washington, or Weaver State. Since McDurham left, uh, Brad Hughes spent time at the University of Montana. So he had ties to UM before he went to Montana State. Right. Uh, obviously, Brian Fish had his Oregon ties. That was an outside-the-box and outside-the-family type of hire uh, but definit- I mean, Brian Fish was trying to make Montana State very similar to like a West Coast program, like Oregon, where he came from. Brad Hughes was heavily mining the junior colleges, but it was also you're trying to kind of replicate what Montana had going on. That's not what Montana State needs to do in men's basketball to win. They need to diversify themselves and do something completely different. So I always thought rather than recruit from the West Coast in, recruit from the Midwest in, or recruit internationally, particularly in the European countries that have climates very similar to Bozeman. Even though Oslo, Norway is on the other side of the world, I don't think it's that big of a culture shock for a kid like Harold Frey to come to Bozeman, Montana, mm-hmm. because he's used to growing up, you know, going to the ski hill. And his sister is like a great, she was like a, a borderline Olympic skier. You know, his mom, I think, was on the Olympic ski team for Norway. So Bozeman and the, its culture and what it's like is not that foreign to him. And so what Danny Sprinkle's done here is he went and got Alex Jimmer, who's the number one ranked recruit in the state of Montana this year. He's about six foot eight, forward out of Missoula Center, who can shoot a little bit, put it on the floor, face face the basket. Then he went and got Sam Lekalot, who's the Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year, Patrick McMahon, the Alaska Gatorade Player of the Year, and then Great Osimbor, who is a kid from the United Kingdom. Say his first name again, please. His name's Great. G-R-E-A-T. Great Osimbor. I mean... It's just too. It's just too good. Excuse me, I mixed spoke there. He was recruited by uh, Chris Haslam, who is um, formerly who was a United yeah. Kingdom native himself, and it was formerly coaching the U eighteen national team. But uh, Osborne is actually from Spain. But the international connection continues there. That's one thing that they've maintained from Brian Fish's staff to Danny Sprinkle's staff is that international connection spurred on by. Chris Haslam, I think that's a good one that they need to maintain. But this other strategy, I think it's interesting because Sheridan, Wyoming, Palmer, Alaska, they're not basketball hotbeds necessarily. You could actually say Missoula, Montana is a little bit of one because some of the better guys in Missoula have been D1 recruits for Mm -hmm. the better part of the last 30 years. But what do you think of just the the element that Sprinkle's going and, and getting kids that are definitively the premier players in their state where probably not a lot of colleges are going and sniffing around for premier players. Yeah. I, I, I think that, I think that there is, let's put it like this. Creating a program creates its own gravity mm-hmm. when it, when you talk about bringing players in Yeah, and you can get assistant coaches that have ties to this AAU team or area, this group of high school coaches, this city, this region, and so on. But also, in order to really entice guys, I mean, we just talked to Michael Stedman. He had a ton of offers to go a ton of places when he went into the transfer portal out of San Jose State. Why did he come to Montana? What was his answer? It's the place that I have the best chance to go to the NC2A tournament, period. Like, that's what he wanted to do. Well, guess what? 
you you don't get a player of his caliber, his potential caliber, you know, unless you've already built up to that point. Well, how do you build up to that point when you are in a, you know, edge of the mountains, edge of the Midwest type of school that has some, but no, but not a ton of basketball lineage and legacy like Montana State is. You do have to go about it differently. You can't just go heads up in the portal against you know, you know, a, a bunch of of mid major schools of 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 you know, it's not group of five, but you know what I'm saying in in basketball, Mountain West and WAC and so on. You have to do it in a unique way. I do think Danny Sprinkle's the man for that job because his path is unique and he's seen a lot in the basketball world. He's seen. The he is he has been in the epicenter and hotbeds of the basketball world in Southern California for a long time and knows what it's all about at that level. He also is a Montanan, right? He's from Helena. He knows what it is to, you know, be in this state. And so he brings a couple cultures together that I don't know that anybody else has the even ability to like he does. And I think that he, you know, sees what he thinks he needs to do in order to get what they're able to get and make it as good as it can be. And then you hope that that is good enough to start to all of a sudden make yourself competitive and then attract more talent as you go year by year. We've seen so often in football, you recruit guys that are projects, but that have passion for the place or the program or both. Mm -hmm. There's so many guys that play for both the Cats and the Grizz football teams that are either from Montana, from surrounding areas, that dreamed of playing at this level or that come in really raw, but then develop rapidly because they were multiple sport athletes or they're from small towns or a combination of all of these things. And we've seen that go away almost completely at the division one college basketball level with the two in-state schools. That said, a good like a guy like Jared Samuelson to me is just such a great example of what guys could become. Samuelson was pretty solid when he was a redshirt freshman at Montana. Then he goes Certainly. to Rocky and he was a great player in the Frontier Conference for a couple years. Then he comes back to Montana and he battled a knee injury all year last year, but went on the court was very productive and very, very efficient offensively. And like when he was making that step back three point right. jump shot, that was the, actually the catalyst to everything Montana was doing offensively. But I have always just thought if you're gonna if the, if the culture is so widespread in men's college basketball where you're gonna have forty to fifty percent of your roster overturning every year, if you go against that trend and recruit guys who are not direct impact players right away, but who will be satisfied or or even thrilled with the opportunity, and then they stick around and you can develop them, if you have a long lens on it, if you have a long view on it, I think that that's actually a way to build long term success. I think you could tell that Danny Sprinkle, first of all, he knows the place that he's at better than anybody because he's an alum and because, like you said, he's a Montana guy. I also think, though, that he's recruiting with – he has the ability to recruit the immediate because he does have so many connections, particularly to the Wyoming and California junior college ranks. But he also, I think, then – because they brought in so many transfers. I mean, Mm -hmm. they brought in eight transfers over the last – year and a half or so. Yeah. So now he can afford to go take these guys. And, you know, is Sam Lekalot, a six foot seven forward from Sheridan, Wyoming, going to be an impact player next year? I almost guarantee you the answer is no. Who knows? He might surprise me, but I, I, I'm pretty sure probably not. Is Patrick Berman, a six foot six guard from Palmer, Alaska, going to be an impact player next year? Probably not. Probably not for two years. Maybe not even for three years. But that's not. That's that's the way to combat the culture, though, because if you then all of a sudden have all these guys, what if these guys are no better than your sixth or seventh guys by the time they're seniors? Well, 
You got fifth year seniors who are completely dedicated to your program, who are completely dedicated to their roles, who are probably a lot better and or a lot more invested than most sixth and seventh guys in the Big Sky Conference. Two Tell Nuanas, one of two ninety ESPN radio. The the different and, and, and I think what you're saying has a lot of validity to it. I also would like to draw a disanalogy between basketball and football in this mm-hmm. respect. Why is football in the state of Montana predicated on, built on, recruiting the best you can in state all the time? And it really isn't in basketball. Perhaps it should be, to your point, but it is. The reason, I think, is because failure isn't only an option. It's actually expected and, in fact, needed. What do I mean by that? The Grizzlies can go get four Montana kids who are all going to play linebacker, for instance, and only need one of them to come out the other end and really develop into that full potential way they are the mm-hmm. 37 jersey-wearing dude out there mm-hmm, mashing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But three other kids, maybe the best they get is special teams, or maybe there's an injury and they wash out, whatever it might be. Basketball, you don't have that leeway. You can get the best player in Wyoming, but guess what? The best player in Wyoming in 2018 might be half the player that the best player in Wyoming is in 2019. Sure. And might be half the player again of the the two, 2020. What I'm saying is, is you can go get the best five players in the state every year in football, and you're going to feel great about getting those kids and what they're going to develop into in it, because it's a numbers game. Right. In basketball, you don't have the numbers. Right. You can you can use one or two guys that are really like you know plucky dedicated want to buy in and maybe have some potential to develop but you need some dudes that are just straight six eight athletes that could shoot you know you need those guys sure. and and it it doesn't it's not necessarily going to be just the best player in idaho or whatever it might be like you got to find them and you got to get them into your program one way or another and maybe that is you know the international element of this thing because i do think the growth of basketball, especially on the continent, we have seen exponentially. Now, a lot of those kids, right, the high end of those kids, they just go play pro. Sure. They're not college sports. Why would I do that when I can play, you know, when I could be Luka Doncic and be the MVP of the Spanish League or whatever it is? No, that's what I'm going to do. But that doesn't mean there's not really good talent that's looking for a place to play that would love to come to the States, you know, and play at the the birthplace of basketball, you know, in, the, in a Division One environment. And I think you're seeing the mining of that uh, out of Danny Sprinkle to supplement and grow what it is that he's trying to do there. And I think, again, the ability to do that is important. And also, if you do have it, very wise for where he's at. Well, what if you just have a foundation of guys that are like six to eight guys that have been in your program for three, four years, mm-hmm. they know exactly what you want, and not one of them is a first-team all-league talent, but then you land that Tyler Hall or that Ahmad Rory. To me, that's been the biggest issue. The reason Northern Colorado has been able to dif- to d- differentiate themselves compared to Weber State and Montana, not that they've been better, but they've been more fluid in their ability to, to achieve and succeed because as great of a player as Ahmad Rory was, he, he had to buy into sharing, and he was almost in some cases forced to share because he had so many great players around him. When Ahmad Rory is taking shots, Jamar Coe's not getting the ball. When Jamar Coe's pounding the paint, Ahmad Rory's not getting shots. If either of those guys got the ball, Michael Guine doesn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. It's a give and take. It's my, I mean, I thought this for so long. Montana State, I thought Brian Fish bringing in Tyler Hall, he tried to surround him. He he recruited such 
crazy athletes from the junior college ranks, but all those dudes had straight JC mentalities. There was multiple seasons where Montana State had multiple guys on their team that thought they were better than Tyler Hall. Like you shooting the ball is not better than him shooting the ball, point blank, period. So if you have eight guys on the team that understand that, now you can build your roster around one guy. That's yeah. what Northern Colorado differentiated it. Like that, that team that took Montana all the way down the wire in the game that you always call the greatest Big Sky tournament game you've ever seen. It was. There was nobody on that team, including Jordan Davis, who was a borderline NBA guy who thought they were better than Andre Spite. Everybody was defaulting to Andre Spite. Whereas we've seen across the league, when guys are trying to take attention away and or shots away from the guy who's supposed to be who was built around. I mean, think about what Weber State had a couple of years ago when they had Zach Braxton, Breckett Chapman, and Jarek Harding. Okay, those are all three great individual talents, but they're not working with each other. If you're dumping the ball in to Zach Braxton, Jarek Harding's doing nothing. So I think that the art of developing and recruiting role players that fit into your university that will stay, it can actually then give you a lot of leeway. Because say if you do have a couple classes like this, and who knows, one of these guys might blossom into being a great player, and I think that they have the potential to do that. But imagine if you had a whole bunch of guys that did stay and you could pour all your recruiting resources into going and getting that grad transfer from the University of Washington or getting that, you know, four-star recruit like Tyler Hall was, you can say, hey, come to Bozeman and you're going to be the number one guy. Come to Missoula and be the dude. And I think that's going to be such an interesting turning point. That's to me, is going to be the key for the Grizz this year. It sounds like they they want to build the thing around Michael Stedman, but is everybody going to buy into that? That, That's the, the elusive part of building chemistry in a college basketball locker room and so that's why I think that redefining your recruiting strategy like Montana State clearly is doing by recruiting under-recruited rural states Montana guys and internationally it's the way to go because you're not you're not just going to beat Montana at their own game I mean the Grizz got 15 big sky banners hanging up in the rafters if you're recruiting the same pool from the same AAU teams in Seattle and Oakland Nine out of ten times, those dudes are choosing the Grizz, and so you're not going to get the dudes that are on par with your rival. You got to go. Yep, that's right. You got to go somewhere else and build it, and then and then try and get to that level, and then go heads up. It's two tell new one is one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Take a quick break on the other side. A question from me to Coulter about National Signing Day in this particular cycle coming up right after this. Hey, we live in this great state, so we can enjoy it, right? If you're a business owner, you know how hard you work, and sometimes that's at the expense of your own free time. Well, guess what? I got a solution for you. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services, okay? Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services is a virtual bookkeeper. How much time do you spend trying to get your numbers organized, trying to get your books right? Well, they will do this for you. They help small businesses organize, maintain, and grow their business, which helps keep your business running smoothly and gives you more time to do what you love. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services offers monthly bookkeeping and can even clean up previous month's books. Go visit them online. Schedule a free consultation today. BlackBookkeepingLLC.com online. Okay, BlackBookkeepingLLC.com. Get your time back. Get your books straight. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. 
Welcome back to Tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio, winding it down on a Wednesday evening. Never really winding it down, just, you know, getting ready for the next thing, as it were. Happy to be with you. Thanks for letting us ride along with you on this uh, midweeker here. We're happy to be there with you. If you missed anything in the first couple of hours of the show, you can check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. You can check out the uh, Two Tell Nuanas podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of the podcasts. It's there for you. Go ahead and uh, give that a check out. We appreciate that. The uh, podcast brought to us by Blackfoot Communications. Coulter, I said I was going to ask you a question about this particular day, commitments, especially for basketball in this particular recruiting cycle, and the following is this. The Bobcats have landed four you know, men's basketball team uh, uh, recruits. Yep. Uh, that are official. Yep. The Lady Grizz got a couple. Well, one, 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 one official, official and, and, and yeah. more coming. We have not heard any yet for the University of Montana men's team. Right. Uh, and uh, we got like one maybe for the uh, women's team in Montana State. Uh, actually, a couple, couple, couple. more, couple okay. more have rolled through uh, for the women's team. Uh, the the uh, the six five young lady that they signed, um, Lindsey Hine. Hers just came through. So for, she's from Forsyth. So that she's an in-state girl. So that that's a that's a newsworthy. It's one. actually interesting to me because all four teams, men's and women's teams, Montana, Montana State, have this in col- common. Relatively speaking, they're pretty young. Mm-hmm. There's one senior on the Lady Grizz basketball team. There's a couple on the men's team. All my point is, is this: we've talked about this in football. It's going to be a dance to start signing kids in that next recruiting class mm-hmm. if the kids who are seniors ain't seniors. Right. You know what I mean? And they we, we just talked to Michael Stebbin. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's not making any you know commitments, nor should he. He's got to play his season and see where he's at and see what's going on. But if he wants to, presumably, and the coach is like, you know, and everything works out, he can come back again and still be here. But you got kids that are graduating from high school. There's no zero year at the high school level. You're done. Move them on out of here so that you get this log jam. And I wonder, you know, again, I think that the it makes it uh, it makes the the um, it raises the bar, I guess, is what I think that it does for the high school kids that are coming up where the coaches are going to have this year's class. And potentially, depending on what their seniors this year, whatever team it is, decide to do another class to try and get the absolute best of the best of out of kind of a two-for-one in a certain way. Now, that presumes a whole lot of things. There's a lot of kids that aren't going to stay because they got stuff lined up they want to do. They get, sure. you got kids that maybe, hey, they can go play pro basketball somewhere, whether it's you know maybe the NBA, but, but you know more likely elsewhere, overseas, whatever it might be. And maybe you got kids that are like, hey, I mean, we already talked to Mac Anderson, right? Yeah. He said, man, yeah, I, I might get my NBA yeah. and, and, and keep it rolling. Well, and why wouldn't you? I mean that's great, right? If you're mm-hmm. if you're into it, if it's going, then 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 keep going with it. Who knows what's going to happen? But I do think that that puts a a very specific sort of backdrop to this particular two week period that we're in the signing of of, of up and coming kids. Well, you also got to remember there's a, a signing period in the spring too, so I think that a lot of guys are going to be really fighting for their roster spot right now too, right. because I don't think that Travis Dekir is going to go out recruiting, try to sign a bunch of guys right now. He's going to see what he's got, see who wants to stay, who doesn't. But then th- there's a lot of spots that could be replaced in the spring. We'll see what happens when we get there. I actually think that gives the coaches better chance to evaluate who they got on their roster and who they want to bring in next year as well. So a, a lot of these things from an internal perspective could actually be gravitated towards improving the level of play in multiple sports, but particularly basketball. 
Coulter, thank you very much. Boys and girls, you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Am I right? Do we have action tonight? It's Wednesday. I didn't even look it up. Don't worry. My DVR is already set all season long. We'll see you tomorrow, ESPN Radio. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.